Noticing the change of tone from perceptions of walking, now the perceptions of sitting. In essence, nobody is ever going anywhere. They're just conditions of these minds that are changing. Patterns, forms come and go in the field of this experience. Seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching. But that which knows it all, that which receives it, knows it, never goes anywhere. It's always here. The world happens here. In the space of this awareness. The Buddha once said that it's within this very body, with its thoughts and perceptions, there is the world, the origin of the world, the cessation of the world, and the way leading to the cessation of the world. So, in that respect, aligning dukkha, dissatisfaction, with the world, quote unquote, that might seem a bit negative in a way to relate to the world, but the world is a solid external thing as a fixed permanent object out there, I would say is equivalent to dukkha. So the Buddha said, Sabe Sankara Dukkha, all conditioned things are unsatisfactory by their very nature as being things. not a negative view upon life, but rather seeing how when the mind creates the idea of a thing, believes in some permanent separate object, it's necessarily out of tune with reality. Sabe Sankara Dukkha, all conditioned things are unsatisfactory. Because of their thingness. So when the heart opens to the realization there are not really any things, there are events, patterns of experience, then there's an attunement to reality and genuine freedom, peace can be found, can be realized. And when the Buddha was asked what is meant by the world, he said, the eye, the ear, the nose, the tongue, the body, the mind. That is what is meant by the world in this Dhamma and discipline. Whereby one is a perceiver of the world and a conceiver of the world. That is the world. The eye, the ear, the nose, the tongue, the body, the mind. Even though the ending of dukkha, the ending of dissatisfaction might be attractive. Maybe the idea of the ending of the world is not attractive. It's frightening, off-putting. But it's really the ending of the solidity of the world, the externality, the otherness of the world. That's what's ending. Where does the world end? It ends in this very awareness, this very knowing quality of the heart. 
the substantiality, the separateness, the otherness of the world, it ends here in this awake, aware quality of the heart. That's why the ending of dukkha is equated with the ending of the world. When the world is seen as empty, sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, thought, emotion, when it's seen as transparent, empty, patterns of appearance, convenient fictions, when that emptiness is realized, then the heart is freed from limitation, freed from all dukkha, freed from the bounds of time, identity, location, freed from the biases brought by language, number, It's not attached, not limited, not burdened by anything, because all things have been recognized as empty, transparent, insubstantial. As the meditation is developed, this is a skillful way to relate to feeling, sensations in the body, sounds that we hear, visual imagery, internal or external, taste and smell, memories, ideas, seeing them as empty, void of substance. The heart receives them, knows them, attunes to them, but doesn't identify with them. They flow through arise taking shape in the space of awareness and dissolving. What remains is peacefulness, ease, spaciousness, brightness. We use the reflections upon uncertainty, impermanence, unsatisfactoriness, and not self, as a way of helping that space to remain open, a way of meeting the habits of attachment and identification, that which makes different parts of the world solid, real, substantial. Maybe we can recognize the sound of a bird as merely a sound, but that memory of that stupid thing that I said last week, that's real. Until it's looked at, felt, known. It's recognized, well, that's, how could that be less empty than the sound of a bird? Perceptions arising, taking shape, dissolving. That memory has a tang to it a strength, an intensity, seems much more personal. But when the attention is brought to that, it's explored. What is it that knows that memory, feels that tang of intensity? Does that have an owner? Is it permanent? 
inquiring in this way, applying wise reflection, then the intrinsically transparent, empty nature of all perceptions, all emotions, all attitudes and intentions, they're realized, they're known. And as that empty nature is realized, the heart is freed. No longer tied to that bhava chakra, that wheel of becoming. It knows the wheel, but is not attached to it, not limited by it. So as the meditation is developed, applying these reflections on anicca, dukkha, anatta, transiency, unsatisfactoriness, not self. When those are applied and that transparent nature, empty nature of sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, thought is realized, allow into the heart what's present, what's the quality of the heart when that empty nature is recognized. When that grasping stops, what's here? How does it feel? What's its nature? Let that peaceful, spacious, bright quality be known. We don't have to write a poem about it. We don't have to claim it as a personal achievement. So let it be known with no commentary. Feel it. Realize it. Let it speak for itself. In developing this practice of letting go, cultivating insight, using such questions as who is aware or what is it that knows this moment? Does this feeling in the body have an owner? Using these kind of questions, they're not posed with the idea of looking for a particular conceptual answer. It's not the point at all. To ask a question like, who am I? What am I? We're not looking for a philosophical answer, but these kind of questions are posed as a way of illuminating the assumptions that are made. I am a person. Or I am Jane or Stephen. We're not looking for a name or a concept but rather to illuminate the assumptions that the mind makes. The silence of the mind that comes when a question like, does this feeling have an owner? What is it that knows this moment? The silence of the mind before any conceptual answer appears, that's the answer, really, that's the point of posing that kind of a reflective question. 
in that moment when a question is asked like that. What am I? When a question like that is posed in the quietness of the mind, it arouses that intuitive wisdom, intuitive awareness that I is a faulty statement. Who presumes too much? Even what? What am I? Even what presumes too much? It's the wrong question. It's the faculty of intuitive wisdom, intuitive awareness, that realizes that, that knows that, that feels that wrongness directly. It's not a who. It's not even a what. It's not an it. <laughs> Sabe, Sankara, Dukkha, all conditioned things, all formations are unsatisfactory. So the purpose of using this kind of inquiry is to facilitate that non-attachment, non-grasping, the mind freeing itself from taking hold, from abiding, in any kind of identity, any kind of place. It supports the letting go of attachment to time, causality, location, and all the different aspects of identity, the feeling of owning, the feeling of being, being something, the feeling of doing, me doing something, me making a choice, me having a story. I am a woman, I am a man, I am old, I'm young. I'm healthy, I'm sick, I'm a success, I'm a failure. This narrative qualities of what we call ourselves The process of insight meditation is illuminating those attachments to time, location, identity, language, concepts, even numbers, even the world of mathematics and ideas taken to be so solid, so real, so accurate, so true. They're recognized as being formed and constructed it can only be partially relevant partially true there's no abiding to be found there the development of insight then is around recognizing these realms of identification grasping taking things to be solid real permanent challenging that Seeing their empty nature, the insubstantial nature. Every form, every role, every attitude of owning or being or having or doing. 
as it's recognized, letting go. And when the letting go has happened, when that substantiality has fallen away, what remains? Simplicity, peacefulness, delight, brightness. We don't even need to apply words to those things, those qualities. Simplicity is just a word. Brightness is just a word. The words refer to the actuality. The point is to embody that actuality. Being Dhamma, being this fundamental, wordless, non-conceptual, absolute reality that we've always been, but haven't realized because of being distracted by birth and a name, a story, a career, a family, praise and criticism, gain and loss. That was never truly who and what we were, but because of the the pressure of society and the sensory world, it was taken to be true and substantial, real. When it's seen through, when it's let go, when its transparent nature is realized, let the heart fully know what remains what's reliable, what is ever-present, apparent here and now, timeless, ever-present, peaceful, limitless, aware. 